0: now let us turn to the book of Deuteronomy. And tonight I want to get into an aspect that runs through the book, and how the Old Testament saints found the Lord. How these Old Testament saints found the Lord. And... I want you to turn to chapter 10, verse 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your hearts, and be no more stiff-necked. In the Old Testament, the phrase that takes the place of the New Testament phrase, ye must be born again, is circumcise your hearts. In the New Testament, we're told, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The new birth comes when you believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead. And you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The New Testament says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. In the Old Testament, you became a new creature by your faith in the coming Messiah and by having your heart circumcised so it wouldn't be hard, so it wouldn't be stiff-necked, that it might be opened and be redeemed. Whichever way you'd uh, describe it, it means the same thing. It means identically the same thing. And so many people have had the idea that the Old Testament is legalistic, it's cold, it's not so much of the Spirit. And the Old Testament was for a bygone day and now we just are in the New Testament period and therefore we don't bother too much with the Old Testament. No, beloved. The Old Testament's got just as much salvation in it as the New Testament. The Old Testament has just as much of the Lord Jesus Christ in it as the New Testament. The reason is that everything in the Old Testament is to the end that men might believe in the coming Messiah. And everything in the New Testament is to the end that men might believe that He's already come. So whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, All of it points to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ said, Had you believed Moses, you'd believe me, because he wrote of me. He was telling us that the gospel was preached by Moses. And when we hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ after he was raised from the dead... Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded in all the scriptures all the things concerning himself. And beloved, when you rightly divide the word of truth, you are confronted with Jesus Christ. Everything in this book, if you rightly understand it, will point you to the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. Now, when we come into this passage in Deuteronomy, I'm not going to preach on it tonight, but I'm going to preach it on one of these nights. When God told Moses the dietary laws that the children of Israel were supposed to have, and he forbid them to eat pork, and the Jews don't eat pork to this day. The orthodox ones do not. Of course, we eat it because Peter took away the uh, prohibition the apostle Peter did for us in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. But, beloved, when you turn to these great uh, prohibitions concerning blood, 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 the meat that you do eat, you're not to eat the blood thereof, because the life is in the blood. And it's the blood of Christ. The life is in the blood that Christ shed. And when you look at the sacrifices, when you look at the restrictions, when you look at these various things that you find that God gave to the children of Israel, in one way or another, they point to Jesus Christ. The only way that God has ever ordained that a sinner shall be redeemed is by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood is just as efficacious in Genesis 3.16 when it's the seed of the woman who's going to bruise the head of the serpent as it is when you turn to the last chapters of the book of Revelation and here you find the one that has washed us from our sins in his own precious blood. The one and only message of this book And so, beloved, we're not dealing with a book that's an account of man's upward struggle and his outreach and his gropings to find God. We have in our possessions a book which is a divine revelation in which god has come down to us and the plan of redemption whereby we're to be pardoned and forgiven has been ordained in heaven and not concocted down here in the sinful minds of men it is a plan which is divinely given divinely revealed divinely executed and it's only by the power of the holy spirit that men are born into this glorious kingdom of our great god and savior jesus christ now tonight i want you to notice these passages here that refer to the heart turn back please to this sixth chapter and in the fifth and the sixth chapter and we'll take the first reference uh, in verse 29 at the end of the ten commandments and this is a very very significant uh, turning point in god's dealings with his people Oh, that there were such an heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments, always. Just think of the comprehensive nature of this. Now God's had them at Sinai. The book of Deuteronomy covers at least 40 years, their wanderings. They came out of Egypt, they went to Sinai, and Moses is describing for us here the experience at Sinai when God wrote the law with his own finger on the tables of stone. And beloved, I believe that God engraved the Ten Commandments on the tables of stone. Moses said it at it, and I believe that that took place. And when God gave that to Moses, it, Moses came down, and there was a fire, and there was a smoke, and the voice of God was heard, and they heard it from the mount. And so frightful was that voice to the multitudes. They said, we don't want to hear it anymore, Moses. We can't stand that kind of voice anymore. Oh, Moses, no one can hear the voice of God like that and live. Moses, you go listen to it, will you please? And then come back and tell us what he said. Moses, you do the listening to the fire. You do the listening to the thunderings from Mount Sinai. We can't stand it. And then when you get it all straightened out, come down and tell us what he said. And God said, oh, that I had a people that had it in their hearts to listen to me. I want to talk to them directly. I don't want to go through Moses. I wanted to speak to them. I wanted them to hear my voice. I wanted them to respond to me. And they said, no, we don't want it that way. And last Friday night when I was preaching to you from Deuteronomy 18, Moses reminds them that they didn't like it this way. And so Moses said, the Lord heard you. And Moses says, all right, the Lord's going to do it this way. Instead of having the voice from the mountain, I'll put the voice in human flesh. The Lord thy God shall raise up unto thee a prophet like unto me, and unto him shalt thou hearken. If you don't want to listen to the thunder and the lightnings and the fires from Sinai, if you won't listen to Moses, then I'll put my own son in human flesh. He'll be like Moses. He'll talk with me. I'll give my word to him. And then you won't listen to Moses. You'll listen to my son. And I'll require it of you because every word that he speaks when he gets down here, there'll be my words. And here's this great prediction. That the law would be incarnate in the Son, and the Son would speak as the voice of God. And that's who Jesus Christ is. He is the voice of God. He is the Son of God who's become flesh, that he might redeem us to himself. I thought maybe I'd stop here and say just a word. <clears throat> Why the things that open up to you when you begin to speak of these things. But you know, when you go to the pagan world back in those days, you've got Mount Zeus, you know, and you've got Mount Olympus, and you've got all these other smoking mountains, and you've got all these various pagan deities that are on the top of the mountains, and you've got all these relations to the mountains. Beloved, I want to say to you people that I believe without any doubt, and I believe it, that the Bible is the true revelation. It's the way God dealt. You've got the sacrifices as they came when Cain and Abel and Abel brought the blood sacrifice. And then this is perverted and you get it all down through the heathen pagan world. It's just a degeneration of the truth. And they tell you we've got two accounts of... Creation, there's the Bible account, and then there's some other counts in the mythologies. They're all perversions and they're apocryphal accounts. And then they tell us that we've got the counts of the flood in the Bible, and then you have the Babylonian account. That's just a perversion, a perverted type of reporting. Beloved, here is the revelation that God gave of sacrifice, of blood, of creation, of the flood, of the ark. All of these things are in this blessed book, and down through the human race, this thing is gone and gone, and we get these reflective accounts which are apocryphal but nevertheless in them there's a recognition that there was an origin up here and that origin came in revelation and the acts of almighty God and God is letting every one of us know he did speak from a mountain he did thunder from Sinai he did set the mountain on fire and his voice was in it and when the children of Israel said we don't want to listen to that we don't want it that way Moses you get the message, will you please? You get it and bring it down and then just tell us what he said. God wants a people who will listen to him in their hearts. God wants a people who listen to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Last Wednesday night when I was on this Joe Pines television show and they made their videotape, And they had this substitute for Bishop Pike come here and sit down alongside of me. He just walked up and sat down. And I decided I'd take him on. I began to question him. And I asked him if he believed in the virgin birth. Well, if I meant a literal virgin birth without a human father, no. And I asked him if he believed in the bodily resurrection. Well, did I mean a physical body? I said, yes, the one that was in the tomb left it. It was empty and he had the same one that he had on. Well, he couldn't accept that. The idea that Jesus would go up into heaven in the clouds, he couldn't accept that. And yet he was a Christian. He wasn't any more of a Christian than an apes a Christian. Couldn't possibly be a Christian and believe that sort of stuff. You have to believe that here's the Son of God. Here's the voice of God. Here's the incarnation of God. Come down to us so that we may hear and we may believe and that this faith may go into our hearts and determine our conduct and our life and our attitude and the things that we do while we live here on this earth this little while that we're here. Now you turn down to chapter 6, verse 6. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And beloved, in the homes where these words are in the hearts of the parents, they will teach them diligently to their children. They will have the necessary instruction and family prayer, and they will take them to Sunday school, and they will see that they get instruction in the Word of God. There's not a thing that can help any of us. It makes no difference how ignorant or how learned. It makes no difference how poor or how rich. It makes no difference whether we live in Korea or in Collingswood, New Jersey. The same identical word, the same identical Lord is rich unto all who call upon him in truth. And we're seeking to call upon him in truth. We're seeking to give you the one true pure message that will regenerate your heart and circumcise your heart so that you can be a new creature in Christ Jesus and serve him in newness of life. Now will you turn over just a little further in chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy unto them that love him, and keep his commandments unto a thousand generations, and repayeth repayeth them that hate him. And then we move on down, verse 14. Thou shalt be blessed above all peoples, There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness, and will put none of these evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eye shall have no pity on them, Neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto thee. But thou shalt say in thine, what is the word? Heart. These nations are more than I. How can I dispossess them? Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt, the great temptations which thine eye saw, and the signs, and the wonders, and the mighty hand, and the stretched out arms, whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out so shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Moreover, the Lord thy God will send a hornet amongst them until they that are left and hide themselves from thee be destroyed. Thou shall not be affrighted at them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. Now I'll move on down to verse 25. The graven images of their God shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver nor the gold that is on them, or take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein for it is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be cursed, a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Beloved if Christians, when they accept the Lord just clean up their houses and clean up their lives and clean up their homes. It's all these little things that we leave about that come and ensnare us and lead us and tempt us and carry us away. And when I think of the years that I've ministered in this church and in this pulpit preaching here and I preached all these years to you people and I've been here and I've been in good health, thank God, these years that I've been preaching. And many of you have been here and you've continued to come, but some come in and then they go out and some join and then what happens, they're snared. They're snared. Something comes that they didn't clean out. Something comes that they didn't deal with. And they're snared in this temptation and that temptation. And something else gets a hold of them. And the first thing you know, they've drifted away. And their heart, is, their heart has gotten calloused and hard. And they no longer have the same fresh spirit about the things of God. And this is what Moses is telling the children of Israel. Don't you leave the things around you to tempt you and to snare you. You know, I think it's the greatest, greatest importance, you mothers and fathers, the pictures you hang on the walls in your home for your children to see. I think it's of the greatest importance, the kind of literature that's just laying around on the table or that's in the the little basket where the newspapers are. I think it's of the greatest importance. Here they are. I think it's of the greatest importance and that's what God is telling Moses to tell the children of Israel that they must beware of the things that will ensnare them and which will direct their minds and their interest away from the things of God. When you become a Christian, Christ is the center of your life. Christ is everything to you from that moment on. He is your life. And consequently, these other things of the world and these old carbuncles, they just fall off the old the old ship and you get going and you start to sail and you can go in the winds afresh because you've been cleaned up by the Spirit of God and you can be a real witness and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and beloved tonight may I say to you new members may I say to you people who are members of this church get rid of the snares Paul says let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Oh, they crucified him, but he didn't despise the shame of that cross. And now this shameful death... The most ignominious treatment that could ever be heaped upon anyone fell upon the head and upon the body of the Lamb of God. He despised the shame. And where is he now? He went into a tomb. He came out of the tomb. He now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Jesus Christ. Our life. I was interested the other night. Maybe it was on the radio. See, I had the radio show with Joe Pine. He's on quite a few radios, and I had the TV show. He says, the trouble with you, Dr. McIntyre, is that you're too intolerant. I says, no, Mr. Pine. I says, I'm for freedom. Everybody can have freedom. I says, my intolerance comes in my devotion to Christ who said, no man cometh to the Father but by me. That is intolerance. That is intolerance. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's none other name under heaven given among men. There's the name of Buddha. There's the name of Muhammad. Here's the name of Zora Astra. Here's the name of this one. Here's the name of that one. Call the names if you want to. But there's none other name on this earth under the heavens given within the sound of the voice of any man that can bring you to God. That name is Jesus Christ. And so we're intolerant. We're intolerant. And beloved, we're no more intolerant than that law of gravity out there. You just go up on top of this roof and see how nice and tender it is. And you jump off that roof and say, I, I, I don't like the intolerance of the law of gravitation. Do you know a reason why we're able to hit the moon? Do you know a reason why our men were able to send that... Uh, photographic lens around the moon and 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 uh, uh grab or gather the picture in their camera this week of that great volcano up there copernicus you can see a little of it even by naked eye if you look at the noon on a right night how did they get there by the strictest kind of intolerance abiding by the exact mathematical combinations necessary to put that instrument at that place in this universe. And the rigidity of the laws of nature that are operating are nothing but just plain intolerance. Don't let anybody deceive you with that kind of thinking. And so God says here unto Moses, Moses, tell the children of Israel to get these snares out of the way. Get these snares out of the way. Get these snares out of the way. They'll entice the people away from the things of God. And you know, beloved, when you see this and then you begin to think about serving the Lord... And oh, the joy of living for him. You just can't give enough. You just can't go enough. You just can't say enough. And then you get to the place, you say, oh, I wished I had two lives. I had five lives. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my dear Redeemer's praise. You'll get to the place where you aren't afraid and you aren't ashamed and you have a boldness and men decide that you've been with Jesus or something else happened to you that they don't know anything about. And that something is Jesus Christ to whom we're bound. Now, will you turn, please, to chapter 8? And notice in verse 2 And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart, in thine heart, that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in all his ways and to fear him. Oh, beloved, your papers today, I just read one yesterday, one of these religious papers. Everything's talking about the new morality, the new morality. And these preachers are coming along and say, well, it's all right or it isn't all right. The psychologists tell us this, and it's not good for the nation, it's not good for society, it's not good for the country to break down these standards we now have, either inside or outside of wedlock. And everything's based on a very superficial basis. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you tonight from this pulpit, the so-called new morality is just plain sin. And the reason why we don't engage in it, and the reason why we're opposed to it, and the reason why we tell our young people to leave it alone is none other than the commandment of God. And that's sufficient. That's enough. The commandments of God rule over us. And God has given them to us for our health and for our own cleanliness as a people. And that is given to us in this blessed book. And now, beloved, God says to the children of Israel here, you lack faith. And I didn't let you go into the land of Canaan. At Kadesh Barney, I turned you back and I told you you'd to all die. But he said, even you still were my people. You still were my people. And so I carried you on the wings. I fed you with manna you didn't know where it came from. In those 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet didn't swell. Your ankles didn't get big. 40 years I took care of it. But he said, I did it. I chastened you. Laid my hand on you. Because I wanted you to see in your heart that I was your God and I was faithful to you. Beloved, there's all kinds of you people tonight that are living on a very low plane. God's taking care of you. But oh, you'd have been way up here years ago if you'd just believed him and done what you should have done. Oh, there's so many Christians. Yes, we're Christians. We're saved. We belong to the Lord. But we've wandered off here in these lower levels. And then the Lord comes and he chastens and he deals with us. And whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And if ye be without chastisement, then are ye bastards and not sons. We're the sons of God and beloved tonight. I'm appealing to you Christians. It's not only the hearts that save, but the heart that continues to trust and serve the Lord. And God wants to see in that heart of yours a heart that loves him and puts your devotion to him above your wife and your children and your grandchildren and everything that you have. God wants you to love him with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. He wants your heart. Give me your heart. Now turn over to this 16th verse of the 10th chapter. Beginning with verse 14, Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's. thy God the earth also with all that therein is. That's wonderful to look up into the heavens and you see just the immediate outreach and then you look into the great expanse of this universe and men are exploring it. Remember, it's the Lord thy God. And you look down on this little earth on which we live and we are moving so fast, but remember, God's got that thing in his care too. Only the Lord hath a delight in thy fathers, to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you, above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your hearts, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. Verse twenty: Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God; him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave, and swear by his name. He is thy praise, and he is thy God that hath done for these thee done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons. And now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. He wants our hearts. And then finally, beloved, we have all these passages here where he says that we must have a heart in us for those who are a part of us. And when you go out and you glean your field, if there's a sheaf falls by the wayside, don't go back and pick it up. There'll be a Ruth come by, or a Naomi, and they'll glean it up. And when you go to gather the fruit from your olive trees, and there's some olives left on the tree, don't leave it. Let let the poor and the fatherless and the widows, they'll pick it up. Oh, every one of you that belongs to me, every one of you that I've blessed, everyone to whom I've given the abundance, you have a responsibility to leave some olives and some sheaves in the field. You have a responsibility for the poor and those about you. And beloved, I'll tell you people tonight that that's the best way to take care of the poor because it carries with it the name of God. It carries with it a sense of responsibility on the part of the people who receive it. And God will develop good character by it. But when we turn away from all of this and we let the Uncle Sam do it and the politicians get credit for it, and the more we give and give and give and the taxes get bigger and bigger and bigger and God's out of it and man's in it and the politics reigns supreme, and then where do we come out in the end? And I believe tonight, and I believe with all my heart, it's my duty and it's my responsibility to go across this nation to speak as I do and tell people about the little orphans in Korea, to tell people about our outcasts down in South India. And when I was in India last May and last January, and I saw the outcasts of India, poor, poor. Beloved, you've got a chair in your house. There in India, they had nothing but dirty floors to sit on, but they were your brethren in Christ. They were washed in this precious blood of the Lamb. And if the pulpit, if the man of God who stands and preaches these things of God will not hold these things up to the people of God so that we can realize our duties and our responsibilities in these areas, then there will indeed be suffering. But, beloved, Moses says here that God wants us to honor him in our hearts. He wants us to honor him in our giving. He wants us to honor him in our homes. He wants us to honor him in our conduct. And it's your heart that God is appealing for tonight. Your heart. I must stop. But unless you have the right spirit in that heart, no matter what you do, It isn't acceptable to the Lord. It has to come out of the heart to please him. Let us pray. Oh, Father, tonight we thank thee for the message. We thank thee for Deuteronomy. We thank thee for Moses. We thank thee for this book. Lord, it is thy holy word. And we're so thrilled with its message. We're so full of its power. And tonight we pray for the unsaved and the ungodly Lord about us. Oh, that their hearts might be circumcised, that they might fear the Lord and be born into his everlasting kingdom. Lord God, come in power and save men who are outside of thy kingdom. For Christ's sake we pray, amen. Hymn number 384.